Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Some of you recognize that verse. Where, where is that from? What's that from? It's from the Ten Commandments, isn't it? It's from the Ten Commandments. It's actually in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. If you have a copy of the Bible with you, I invite you to join me in Exodus chapter 20. As we look at this particular commandment from the Lord on this day, Mother's Day, as you turn to Exodus 20, let me ask a question. Why, why did God give the Ten Commandments anyway? Is he just trying to keep everybody in line? Okay, man, here are the rules. Make sure you follow these rules. Is he just trying to keep everyone in line? And that's why he gave Moses to give to the people these Ten Commandments. Actually, the Ten Commandments are in the context of God's grace. Did you ever notice that? Some of you are open to Exodus chapter 20. Let me just read to you the preamble to the Ten Commandments. I don't know how many times as a young man I thought about the Ten Commandments without realizing the context, what the Lord is doing here. But read this, this introductory sentence in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then the Ten Commandments start. You shall have no other gods before me. But what God is doing here in the Ten Commandments, he's couching this whole thing. He's clothing the Ten Commandments in the message of his grace. He tells us who he is and what he's done. I'm the Lord your God, and I'm the one who redeemed you out of your slavery. And it's as if God is saying this, as the one who has shown you this grace, this kindness in redeeming you, here's how I want you to live everyday life as my redeemed people. This is what a redeemed life looks like. I want you to live among the peoples of the world who don't know me, who don't worship me, and I want you to show them by how you live what a redeemed life looks like. And it gets real practical. Even things like honor your father and your mother. That's what everyday life looks like as a redeemed person. On this Mother's Day, we want to focus on that subject. We've been studying the book of Hebrews on Sunday morning, and we so much look forward to returning to that real soon here. But today on this day, let's look at three simple words from the Word of God. Honor your mother. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother that the days, your days, may be long in the land the Lord God is giving you. I'm calling this sermon simply honoring the mothers in our lives. So let's begin with the command. The command is, I'm shortening it here for this Mother's Day, honor your mother. What's the point? What's the point? What does that mean? The Hebrew word in Exodus 20 verse 12 is the word kavod. It, and it means something like giving weight to, to highly esteem, to show respect, yes, to honor. Or I think of it this way. It's treating someone as if you see him or her having great value. You're putting weight. You're putting weight in how you see that person. Honor. To honor your mother means more than simply doing what she says. It means to actively lovingly show her respect, 
to show her that she's very important to you, that you highly value her. By the way, just by way of aside, um, the fact that God put mothers here alongside fathers would have been countercultural. In the dominant cultures of that day, women were often, conceived, were often seen as kind of second-class citizens. But when God said to Moses and the children of Israel, honor your father and your mother, he's actually elevating women in the context of the covenant community. It's a beautiful picture of God's view of us human beings, male and female. Is this command, here's an interesting question, is this command just for kids? I mean, did God give nine commands for the grown-ups, and he kind of threw one in for the kids too? Here, kids. Here's one for you. You know, it's fascinating that kids are certainly included in this command. We'll talk to the kids very personally, very directly in just a moment. But this command was actually given directly to the adults. And the kids were there hearing it as well. But this command, honor your father and your mother, is actually much broader than just a command to kids. And once we become adults, and you know, that one doesn't relate to us anymore. That's just for the kids. No, actually, it's bigger than that. It's broader than that. It's longer than that. What we're going to do today is this. So follow along. We're going to walk through different seasons of life. We're going to walk through different seasons of life asking the question, what does it look like to honor the mothers in our life? And let's do begin with the youngest among us. <laughs> let's begin with the kids, the teens, those kids that are still living in the context of the home where their parents are. This command means more than just obeying your mother, kids, but it certainly doesn't mean less than that. <laughs> so, so one way you honor your mother is by obeying her. And, and I find it fascinating that this command in Exodus 20, given to the children of Israel, 1400 years BC, is actually repeated in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6. And it's interesting how Paul, the apostle, by the Holy Spirit, uses this command, the fifth commandment. It's interesting how he presents it in Ephesians 6 to new covenant believers. He said this in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So there it is. Kids, obey your parents. That's your dad and your mom. And then what does Paul do with that? He supports it by quoting this commandment from the Ten Commandments. He says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, he interjects, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So one way, kids, and I'm talking to you kids that are here in the auditorium, they're still living at home with your mom and dad. One way you honor your parents, one way you honor your mother is by obeying her when she gives you direction. Another way you can honor your mother is by humbly receiving discipline. I know this is hard, but let me talk to you as not only one of your pastors, but as a grandfather. <laughs> it's hard when your parents have to discipline you. But if your parents, we'll say your mom, if your mom is disciplining you in whatever form that takes, and you're complaining and resisting and fussing, do you think your mother feels honored? I don't either. I see kids shaking their heads no. That's not honoring your mother. If your mother's trying to discipline you for some way you've disobeyed, and you're fussing and complaining and resisting, 
You know, pretty soon in our Sunday morning series in Hebrews, we're going to come to chapter 12. And I find it fascinating what the author of Hebrews says about this subject. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 and 11, he said, We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Though I hear some children saying amen. <laughs> but later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I think those of us that are adults, when we think back, especially those of us that had the privilege of growing up in families where parents showed us the way of Christ, we look back and, <laughs> and you might remember being disciplined by your dad or your mom, and you think that, that was painful, whether it was some sort of uh, physical pain or maybe the pain of something being taken away from you or extra chores being added to you, whatever the discipline was. And you think back and you say, you know what, I didn't enjoy that at the moment. But when I look back, that was just one step in this process of training me to be an adult. That was something the Lord used to train me to be an adult. And for those of us in Christian families, they trained us to live for Christ every day. So I want to encourage you kids, if your mom or dad is disciplining you, especially your mom today, we're going to focus on her, don't resist, don't fuss and complain, but realize my mom and dad love me. My mom loves me. That's why she's disciplining me. And you receive that discipline with humility and peace. Let's think about everyday situations. So again, I'm talking to the kids, teens, children. How do you show honor to your mother in just those everyday situations? Well, let's begin by talking about your ears, kids. Let's talk about your ears. When your mom's talking to you, are you listening? <laughs> are you listening? Or are you thinking what you want to say back? <laughs> you know, but mom, but, but, but mom. <laughs> I remember telling a child one time, no, the next word shouldn't be but, but okay. <laughs> are you listening? Are your ears tuned into your mom that you're listening to her words? Let's talk about your eyes. When your mom is talking to you, are you looking at her? Are you making eye contact with her in, in a loving way, not a glaring way? In a loving way, are you making eye contact with your mom? Or you just keep looking at your screen or the TV or whatever it is? Or even worse, you turn your head away and roll your eyes. There she goes again. Mom! Do you know... I debated how much of this to tell you kids, but it's in the Bible. There's a proverb that's actually kind of gross. It's Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. And it tells us in rather graphic, I hope symbolic language, what the Lord thinks of kids who scorn their father and mother with their eyes, who mock their fathers and mothers with their eyes, the old eye roll. You know, God doesn't look at that and say, oh, well, kids are kids. If I can say it this way, it disgusts God when he sees kids who mock their parents with their eyes. So kids, one way you can honor your mother is when she's talking to you. You're making good eye contact and you're showing her. You're giving weight to what she's saying. 
You're, you're listening. You're nodding. You're, you're engaged with what your mom's telling you. So we've looked at your ears and your eyes. Let's talk about your mouth. How do you speak to your mother? What, what do you say to your mother? Do you speak to your mother with words of respect? Do you honor her by what you say and even the tone of your voice? Or here's another issue, especially as you move into your teen years, kids. What do you say about your mother? When you're texting your friends, what are you saying about your mother? If she could go back, and she probably could, check all your text messages, <laughs> would she find you speaking well of her to your friends? When you're eating at school or hanging out with your buds, how do you speak about your mother? Wouldn't it be encouraging to your mom if, if she met one of your friends from your team or from your school or whatever, and, and as your friend meets your mom, he or she says to your mom, your, your son, your daughter speaks so well of you. He's told me, she's told me that, that you're so kind this way and you're, you're so gracious this way. And wouldn't that encourage any mother's heart to hear from your kid's friends? That your child, your son, your daughter speaks well of you? You see, we use our ears, we use our eyes, we use our mouth to show honor, to show honor to our mothers. While, while we're talking about this issue, it's interesting to me how in the book of Proverbs, it says in chapter 31, it says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. So here are children that honor their mother by how they speak of her. And while we're talking about having kids still at home, we saw a long line up here just a little bit ago, didn't we? And that's just a small percentage of our church family. When you think about having kids at home, let me talk to the dads for a few minutes. You know, dads, you can train your kids to honor their mother by guiding their guiding them to honor her with their words. And I think of the beginning of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a spirit-inspired collection of wise sayings for life. And right at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, the, the collector, the writer, says this in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is a dad talking to his son. So I'm talking to the dads here in our congregation. The dad says, Don't neglect your mother's instruction. When you learn from them, you will crown, he will, they will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So the dad's actually teaching the kids to honor their mother. And I should confess, when I was a teenager, one time I, I sassed my mother. And I honestly don't remember what it was I said, but I clearly sassed her and my dad heard about it. My dad was a trucker, and back then, trucks didn't have power steering, so my dad had these big, I call them trucker's arms, right? And he sat me down at the kitchen table, and more than 50 years have come and gone, but I can still see his face. When my dad, who rarely cried, had tears in his eyes that day, and he put his big hand in my face and said, I don't ever want to hear you talking to my wife that way again. Did that make an impression? I'm pushing 70 and I still remember it, right? <laughs> I mean, my dad protected my mother from me, a sassy teenager. 
Dads, we can guide our children. We can train our kids. Talk to your mother with respect. Listen to her with respect. Honor her. Not only that, but we as dads, we can model this for our kids. I quoted from Proverbs 31 a, a moment ago. Do you know the dads are involved in that too? It's not just the children arising and praising the mother, but it says, continues on and says, her husband also, and he praises her. What does he say? Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And so if kids are going to grow up understanding what it means to honor their mother, can the church have a role in that? Oh, Yes. But you know who the primary discipler of your children are, dads? It's you. It's you. You can't dismiss your responsibility to disciple your kids saying, well, someone else will take care of it. The Christian school teachers, the pastors, the youth workers, the Sunday school teachers. Oh, we, we're your backup team. We're your backup team, but you're the primary discipler of your children. And so if children are going to grow up knowing what it means to honor their mother... A lot of the weight's on the dads to model that, to teach that. Okay, let's move ahead, and I'll, I'll move a little more quickly now. We've been talking to kids at home, little kids and teenagers. But what about those of you that are in that transition stage of life? You're not really kids anymore, and, and you're just learning what this adulting thing's all about. <laughs> you know, you're a young, single adult, we'll say. It's tempting. I, it's tempting at that transition season of life where you're moving from childhood to adulthood to focus on your independence. I'm not a kid. I'm not a kid. I'm on my own. I'm independent. And we can so focus on that that inadvertently even we give so little attention to our mothers that we're not actively honoring them. Let me just encourage you as an older person to, as you move into adulthood, give weight to your parents. Give weight to your mother. And, and sometimes in that transition season of life, uh, we can almost treat parents as if, what do they know? That hurts. But you know, young adults, your mom and your dad, your mom and dad, they've lived more of life than you have. And they probably have a lot they could teach you, even though you're no longer a kid. And I think one way you honor your mother as a young adult is by seeking her counsel. Mom, I'm facing this decision in life where I'm just wondering how to do a certain thing. Can, can you help me out here? What would you do if you were in this situation? Or could you teach me how to do this or that? And when young adults, no longer under their parents' direct authority, nevertheless honor their mother by seeking her counsel, seeking her advice. That's a way of giving weight to her, giving value to her. I value your insight. I value your words. Don't act like your parents don't want to hear from you. And, you know, I think one of the biggest complaints of parents of young adult children is they never contact me. <laughs> Make a point. Make a point, young adult to stay in contact with your parents, stay in contact with your mother. And it might mean you have to put it in your schedule if you forget, you know. But you just make a point to, to contact your mom and how's it going, mom? How can I pray for you? Boy, thanks for this. What would you do in this situation? Give her value that way. And how about those of us who are adults, um, especially those of you that still have living mothers and mothers-in-law, how do you show honor to your mother when 
Maybe even decades have gone by since she raised you to adulthood. How do, how do you honor a mother when you've been an adult for a long time? Let's keep in mind what we've already seen from the fifth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 12. It's not just for kids. It's actually true for all of us. Honor your mother. That's true for all people with living mothers. How do we do that? Well, what did I just say to the young adults? Stay in contact with your mother. <laughs> Stay in contact with her. I, I used to make a habit of calling my mother when she was still living. I had a certain time every week I would try to call her, you know, and I think she probably looked for, I hope she looked forward to that. <laughs> and I, I blocked out some time because <laughs> she liked to tell me about all of her neighbors and everything, especially after she was widowed, you know. But make a point. Make a point to stay in contact with your mother. And even if she lives a distance away, and in our mobile society, many of us have had or have parents who live a good distance away. And you say, I don't see them all the time. Some of you, you're in the same church as your parents. It's wonderful. Enjoy that season of life. But some of you have parents that live far away. Well, you can still, thankfully, in our culture, stay in contact with them and think of all the ways we have to stay in contact through phone calls and video calls and text messages and emails, there's all these ways we can stay in contact and personal visits. But let her know you value her, that you love her, you want to show her honor just even by being with her or talking with her. And for those of you young parents and you have an elderly or approaching elderly mom, um, she can't be with your kids' activities because she lives so far away or you live so far away from her. Take some videos, show her, make it live, a live video of the soccer game or the recital or whatever it is that you want her to know, I think about you, we're thinking about you, we love you, we want to honor you. Some of us have had mothers who reach their elderly years and caring for them takes on new tangible dimensions. And there's probably a number of us older adults in this room who've already walked that road of having elderly parents, elderly mothers who needed extra care. And in the Lord's normal providence, for those of you that have mothers that are still young enough to be active and healthy, in the Lord's normal providence, this is probably going to be your story as well someday. Unless we die relatively young, we reach our older years, our elderly years, and our physical abilities diminish, our need for help increases. How do we honor mothers who have increased need for help? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4 and 8. The Word of God says this in 1 Timothy 5, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. In other words, it's a very spiritual thing to show honor to an elderly parent. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. Man, that is heavy, isn't it? If you just ignore your elderly parent, God doesn't look at that favorably, does he? Personal testimony. And this is fresh for Gladine and me because the first anniversary of the passing of Gladine's mom, my mother-in-law, first anniversary was just two days ago. And uh, Gladine's been looking at videos of her mother quoting scripture and singing and things in her older years. So this is real fresh. But I want to speak as a son-in-law. 
that showing tangible love to my elderly mother-in-law was a lesson I had to learn. If you know Gladine and me well, you know Gladine to be a very compassionate person. Compassion and mercy just flow from her. For me, it doesn't flow as easily. <laughs> and here is my elderly mother-in-law who had lost most of her hearing, most of her sight, and most of her mobility. And we tend to live pretty full lives even in our late 60s. But I had to learn how to love my mother-in-law at this season of her life where she needed help. And Gladine's siblings and their spouses were right there alongside of us. This wasn't just us, but to care for this elderly mother in a very tangible way. And I had to step out of my comfort zone and I had to scrap my schedule at times to help my mother-in-law. And I love my mother-in-law. But I remember having to physically lift her from her wheelchair to her chair as she involuntarily moaned in pain. Then to bend down and kiss her forehead. Say, I love you, Mom. Knowing I just gave her pain as I lifted her. And that didn't flow from me naturally. That was the work of the Spirit in my life to show me how to honor this elderly mother in my life, my mother-in-law. So some of you are saying, I'm just not that kind of person. Well, neither am I. But the commandment still stands. Honor your mother. And if it means the Spirit, leaning on the Spirit, help me. Help me know how to honor my elderly mother, my elderly grandmother, my elderly mother-in-law. He can give you grace. Jesus rebuked, Jesus rebuked the supposedly religious people in his day that excused their disregard of their elderly parents in supposed pious terms. And it's interesting what Jesus said. This is from Mark chapter 7. He said, for instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. Anyone who speaks disrespectfully of a father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. And this way you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Jesus challenged these supposed religious people in their day who couched their deliberate neglect of elderly parents in pious terms. He said, no, what pleases God, what pleases God is reflecting his love, his compassion to your elderly parents. And you know, it, some of you know what I'm talking about. It is really sad to visit nursing homes and see people in those nursing homes who, whose families have basically put them in the periphery of their lives. It's like we're too busy, we have too many important things to do to spend much time at the nursing home visiting mom. And you see people in nursing homes who hardly ever get guests, hardly ever get visitors. And you say, do they have any families? Is there any children living? Are there any grandchildren, nieces, nephews? Who's caring, who's showing honor to these elderly mothers? And I understand that there are 
seasons of life where an elderly person needs so much medical care, so much physical care, that you, you have to put them in a nursing home. I think that's last resort, quite frankly. But even if it comes to the last resort, we, we, can't, we don't have the medical ability to care for mom anymore. If she's in a nursing home, you be in that nursing home as much as possible. I mean, that you're there showing that love and compassion, that you're honoring her. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Do not despise your mother when she is old. That's pretty easy to remember, isn't it? Maybe hard to do, but easy to remember. Do not despise your mother when she's old. Let me address one last scenario that rarely gets talked about. Pastor Mark kind of hinted at it earlier this morning, and that is this. What about the spiritual mothers in our church? We usually don't think of that category. We think of mothers, mothers-in-law, grandmothers. But, you know, the Bible seems to refer to spiritual mothers. Ladies in our church who probably are older, who have modeled the way of Christ and taught the way of Christ for years, the church is a spiritual family. There are different metaphors for the church in the Bible, but one that's very inviting is the church is pictured as a family. And we even call each other sometimes brothers and sisters. But it's not just brothers and sisters. There's also spiritual fathers and there's spiritual mothers among us. Jesus hinted at that even in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 12, he said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, his followers, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. And Jesus didn't disregard his own mother, Mary. He certainly honored her. But he also acknowledged that there are spiritual mothers. I quoted a little while ago from 1 Peter chapter 5. In that same context, 1, Peter chapter, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, encourage older women as mothers. And so here in the spiritual family, in the church, we have older ladies who love Christ in that we are to treat those ladies as spiritual mothers. The Apostle Paul alluded to this personally. Pastor Mark pointed this out to me after he asked me if I would preach today. He directed my attention to Romans chapter 16. Those are some of the sticky pages in the Bible. You know, the pages that don't get read as often. Romans 16 are the greetings. You know, what do you do when you get to the greetings, get to the genealogies? You know, eh, kind of breeze through that. <laughs> you can tell the sticky pages when a pastor says, turn to such and such a page, and you hear that... You say, that's the first time that opened. <laughs> in Romans 16, the Apostle Paul is giving greetings, and it's actually a wonderful passage. I encourage you to slowly read through it and look at the different kinds of people he greets. But he talks about this one friend of his named Rufus, which I kind of relate to because I used to be a redhead. Rufus basically means redhead. <laughs> and he says, greet Rufus and his mother who was a mother to me also, who's been a mother to me also. And he doesn't even name this lady, but here's none other than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul refers to this lady that was like a mother to him. Wouldn't you love to meet her? It's like, tell us about your relationship with Paul. That, that sounds fascinating. And so the Apostle Paul, next to Jesus Christ, probably the greatest missionary who's ever lived, and some unnamed lady had a significant influence in his life. She apparently was a spiritual mother 
to the Apostle Paul. You know what? When we get the glory, let's look her up, okay? You want to you do it with me? <laughs> Go find her and interview her. You know, like, tell us about that. A spiritual mother. So how do we do that? How do we honor the spiritual mothers in our church? One of the tendencies we have in our 21st century North American culture is to silo ourselves with our peers. Now, if you study sociological history, that's not always been the case. But in the last couple of generations, people have um, increasingly bifurcated, separated the generations. And, you know, you tend to hang with your peers. So if you're an old man, you tend to hang with old men. If you're a young adult, you tend to hang with young adults. If you're a teenager, you tend to hang with teenagers. We see it all the time. It happens so naturally. And yet I would encourage all of us, no matter what generation we're in, to have friends of different generations. That you don't, you don't just naively silo yourself with your peers, but you very intentionally reach out to people who aren't like you, different from you. Maybe different racially, different ethnically, different language, mother tongue, different ages. And so let me just ask you, if you're younger especially, do you have some older ladies that you would say, she's like a spiritual mom to me? Why not pursue that? Why not pursue some of the older ladies in the church that have so much to teach us about Christ and his ways, but how they've lived for decades? Is your life group intergenerational? Does your life group have people of different generations? I mean, there are things we can do to honor the spiritual mothers in our church. When, when we gather on Sundays, you come early enough, hang around afterwards for enough, uh, other gatherings of the church, do, do you seek out ladies that are older, spiritual mothers, and get her input, tell her how much you appreciate her? You know, we spend a lot of time on what does this commandment mean? What's the point? But let me briefly now talk about that promise that's attached. If you go back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, here's the promise, that the days, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. Now, let's remember the context. The Ten Commandments were given to whom? The Israelites. Where were they? In the wilderness. Where were they headed? To the promised land. Okay, keep that in mind. And so when God says to honor your mother and father, father and mother, that your days will be prolonged in the land, that's actually not an individualized promise. And I know I'm probably bursting some people's bubbles. <laughs> some people are probably thinking, boy, if I just honor my mother, I'd probably live to be in my 90s. Well, maybe you will. I'm, I'm not throwing cold water on you. But uh, th that promise in the context isn't individualized. It's corporate. What God is saying you people, the Israelites, if you Israelites will honor me as my redeemed people, I redeemed you out of slavery in Egypt, if you will honor me in all these ways, your time in the land, the promised land, will be long. It'll be peaceful. It'll be fruitful. With the implications, if you don't do that, you're going to go into exile, which is what happened, isn't it? But this promise was for them to be faithful to God in that context, as a group. But interestingly, this particular command, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, is, as we already learned, was quoted in the New Covenant. It's quoted in the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, he says that this is a lasting commandment. He continues and says, obey your parents. Why? 
honor your father and your mother. And the, the promise is even included there. And I think the point there is, there are commandments in the Old Testament that are relegated only to that covenant, the old covenant. And there are other ones that are repeated in the new covenant. There, there are things that are always true. And the command to honor your father and your mother is a standing commandment. It, it, never, it doesn't have any sunset clause. It never says anywhere, you know, this is going to end someday. And so no matter when we live as people of God, we honor our mothers. Let me address two difficult situations, and I could address more, but let me address these in the time we have left. Following through with this commandment to honor our mothers can be difficult for some people. How can I say this? Because their mother's not an honorable person. Now, that's not true for a lot of us, but there are some people who have mothers who are not followers of Jesus Christ. She still lives a sinful, selfish life. And you're thinking, you're telling me I need to honor my mother, but you know what? That's really hard. She's not an honorable person. Now, if you're in that exceptional case, let me acknowledge that that can be very difficult. It can be very difficult to honor anybody who's not living an honorable life, including your mother. But, but let me ask you a basic gospel-based question. Why should you love your mother? Why should you love anyone? What would be the gospel answer to that? Why should you love someone? Because they're lovable? Anybody want to give me an answer to that one? Why should you love someone? Yes, because you've been loved by God in Christ. And so often, our natural tendency is to ask the question, does this person deserve this or that? Does this person deserve my compassion? Does this person deserve my love? Does this person deserve my honor? And you might think the answer is no. But we don't, we don't love someone because that person is lovable. We love because he first loved us. And I think a verse in the Bible that you can anchor your souls to is this. We love because he first loved us. So if you're in that exceptional situation where you have a mother who's not honorable, and you're thinking, how do I live out the command to honor her? Go vertical. Go vertical. Remember how much he loves you. You don't need any more proof than the cross of Christ. That the cross of Jesus Christ stands as an eternal monument that God loves you because of Christ. And so going vertical when you say, oh, how he loves me. He's proven his love to me. You take that vertical love he's given you and you extend it horizontally to that person who's very difficult to love and to honor, maybe even your own mother. And some of you, and hopefully this is very few, but some of you, it's not just that she's living a generally dishonorable life, but she's actually sinned directly against you. Maybe she speaks to you in words of bitterness. Maybe she's tried to cut you off, banned you from her life. And you're living right now, struggling with Mother's Day, thinking, this is so hard. And I want you to know that we agree with you that that's very hard. We're not wanting to be callous toward the pain you're living in. But if your mother has sinned against you in a significant way, 
Let me ask you again a gospel answer. Why should you forgive your mother? Why should you forgive your mother? Because you've been forgiven. We don't forgive people because they deserve our forgiveness. Aren't you glad that God doesn't treat you that way? We forgive because we've been forgiven. And if you're struggling with honoring your mother because of ways she sinned against you, that is sad. She should be loving you instead of hurting you that way. It's, it's sad. But in the midst of your pain, acknowledging your pain, that you fall back on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, he's forgiven me my many innumerable offenses. And as a forgiven sinner, I can forgive a sinner. Forgiven sinners forgive sinners. And you can forgive people who've hurt you in life, even if it's your own mother. And you can show honor to her based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the second challenge isn't what she, how she might have sinned against you, but maybe how you've sinned against her. And you look back, whether you're 7 or 77, and you look back and you say, I've hurt my mother. I've sinned against my mother. What do I do? Well, let me point you to Christ. And I want to briefly remind us of what he's done in our behalf. Jesus has fulfilled the law's requirement on our behalf. He's fulfilled the law's requirement on our behalf. I usually say it this way. He lived the life that we should have lived but didn't. And that's true of this commandment, the fifth commandment. Jesus fulfilled this law, the fifth commandment. It's interesting in the gospel of, of Luke, how Luke records when Jesus was only 12 years old, it says he went down with them, went down from Jerusalem with his stepdad and his mom. He went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth and was submissive to them. And so one of the very few things we have from Jesus' childhood is this message that he didn't sin against his parents. He was fulfilling the fifth commandment personally on our behalf. Not only that, but there is a sobering scene as Jesus was hanging on the cross. And in that culture, women were dependent on their husbands to care for them. And if a woman was widowed, it fell to the firstborn son to care for that widowed mother. And here's Jesus dying on the cross, and he knew he would rise again, but 50 days later, he was ascending to heaven. And so he's on the cross... And of his 12 disciples, as far as we know, only one stayed at the foot of the cross. Anybody remember which of the 12 stayed at the foot of the cross? It was John, young John. But also there was his mother. A few mothers in the room, can you imagine watching your son be crucified? What a faithful mother. But as Jesus hung on that cross, he looks down and sees his mother. And beside her, his friend, his apostle, John. And he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. 
And it says, from that day on, that disciple took her into his own home. It seems like a little footnote in the Gospels, but think about that. How Jesus was honoring his mother. That even as he was dying on the cross, he showed honor to his mother. Making sure she would be cared for after he went back to heaven. Jesus fulfilled the law. He lived the life we should have lived but didn't. He not only fulfilled the law, but he, he absorbed the law's penalty for our disobedience. So he obeyed, he fulfilled. We did not obey, we disobeyed the law of God, and he absorbed the penalty for our sin on himself. He didn't just deflect it, he absorbed it. He died the death that we should have died. And if you think about your sin against your mother, whether it was yesterday or 20 years ago, and you realize I sinned against my mother by how I dishonored her, confess that to the Lord in the name of Christ, leaning on the forgiveness found in him. John would later write in 1 John, he says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if you're right now grieving over how you did not honor your mother, take it to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me because of Christ, that he died for my sin. And if your mother's still living, it would be a very gracious thing to contact her and ask her forgiveness as well. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus absorbed the penalty for us breaking the law. But he also enables us by the Spirit to keep the law. It's fascinating in Romans chapter 8 where the Apostle Paul said, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And if you're a Christian here today, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, and you're struggling with honoring your mother, you're saying this, this is hard, I want to remind you that even though we all sin, that God enables you by his spirit to honor your mother. So don't just dismiss this commandment and say, can't do it, can't do it. Can't do it on your own, but you're not on your own. You have the spirit. And so to lean on the spirit's help and say, help me to honor my mother, and he will. So what might the Holy Spirit be doing in your life right now? I'm not going to play Holy Spirit. For some of you, I'm guessing that he's encouraging you and reminding you of the blessing you've had of a godly mother. We're going to go to prayer in a few minutes here. And I'm going to give you some silent time for prayer. That you might just want to thank the Lord for his kindness to you and giving you the mother you have or had. But some of you are feeling conviction by the Spirit right now that you're remembering how you did not honor your mother. Why don't you talk to him in that prayer time asking for forgiveness and grace. And for some of you, it's just kind of a general stirring, kind of like, you know what? I want to, by the Spirit's empowerment, be more intentional in honoring my mother, my grandmother, my spiritual mother. Ask Him to guide you. So let's just take a minute or two of silent time of prayer, and then I'm going to pray aloud, and then ask Pastor Mark to come, and the worship team as well.